A signature teaching of Christianity is the presence of spiritual gifts. They are capacities that God gives to empower godly living in this world. But what if there are no gifts? What if we believe in Christ but not the existence of spiritual gifts? Welcome to Word for the Week, Season 2, Episode 26. Join us as we explore what the Christian faith looks like without the presence of spiritual gifts. In the previous two episodes, we discovered that spiritual gifts were vital in holding the church together. And we learned two different words for gift Mm -hmm. in Scripture. One referred to God donating himself, the Holy Spirit living inside the believer. Right. And gifts as special capacities given by God. Right. Can there be a situation where we actually have a church without any spiritual gifts? All right. Not only is it possible, it is something that has existed as long as the church has existed itself. So uh, not just theory, but actually reality. Uh, What does that look like? In fact, let me ask, what does the Bible describe them like? Uh, Well, as far as describing them, there are certain passages that we haven't and I'll grant it that they uh, uh, come on a little bit sideways at them, but they definitely bring the implication of what it looks like when you don't have those gifts in play. And it helps to understand the passages as well if we uh, know a little bit about the, the, the background of the times. Give me an example. Okay, well, let's start with a snippet of Paul's letter, one of his letters anyway, to young Timothy as he was just starting, that is Timothy, in his ministry. And Timothy would be ministering into a Greek culture, and it wasn't long before people started doing what people do. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Certain individuals liked the sound of Christian teaching, but um, they wanted it a little more comfortable for their taste. Uh, and uh, so what they did uh, in this hybrid thing they started setting up was just some of the most incredible heresies uh, we've known in Christendom. And it allowed them, as they were doing this, to gain power over other individuals and to extract wealth for themselves as they were doing it. Hmm. Uh, in one line of thought, for instance, uh, they encouraged people to um, exercise every form of physical or sexual uh, indulgence for the reason the body and the spirit were two very different things. Never will the two meet. So, <laughs> so leave the body to do what the body wants to do. <laughs> yeah, they in fact, uh, they didn't just allow it, they encouraged it. Just let the body be the body so your spirit could go on and do spiritual stuff. Hmm. And so they were doing this under the guise of what they were calling Christian thought, but in fact, they were twisting people uh, to do the exact opposite of what Scripture taught. So Paul gives this this warning as well to Timothy that you're reading. In Second Timothy 3, 6, and 7, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Yeah, isn't that an interesting phrase? Always learning, mm. but never coming to a proper conclusion or any conclusion. It's kind of scary that any of us could... Be in that position. Yeah, well, what has happened, uh, you know, it it still goes on, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. nothing's new under the sun. 
So there was one warning that was going out. This is how it was playing out in the Greek culture. So now we turn around. Jude is writing to that small book that we talked about that people tend to just whoop, skip right, over. It's so right. short. But in this letter, he's more addressing uh, the the first Christians, which was were in the Jewish culture. And this is how they took made use of Christ's teachings to fit into their comfort zone. And you said that we read this and go, and I was one of those. Rereading this, I was like, whoa. Okay, so this is yeah. Jude. Confession is good for the soul, Kath. That's good. Jude you brought, 1, get that 11 through 13. <laughs> woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Hmm. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Boy, that's such <laughs> picture, you know, language. Right. Um, when Jesus said, woe to them, when Jesus said woe to them, because yeah, that right. was Jude, of course. Mm -hmm. He was about to give the most serious of his warnings, and yeah. it sounds like Jude, is that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what he, he's doing. Here. He's just borrowing from Jesus. Yeah, when Jesus yeah. said woe to them, it was time to sit up and listen. listen. Yeah, yep. take it pretty seriously. So. Now, we know Cain murdered Abel, so yep. we can see the wrong there. But what mm -hmm. exactly is Balaam's error? Well, Balaam's error, because Balaam comes up a few times as, as um, Israel's uh uh, becoming Israel and, and going to the promised land. Mm -hmm. So let me start with this little query. Call it a, a pop quiz, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you hear of Balaam, what's the first thing that comes to mind to you? <laughs> the guy with the uh, uh, on the talking donkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. spent. I taught a lot of kids classes. So. <laughs> yeah, you tell. And, and that's a great one. <laughs> every child's curriculum has a talking donkey involved. Yes. It's just a. A uh, wonderful thing for kids. But he was he was hired to curse the Israelites entering the promised land, but right. ends up blessing them instead. Right, right. And um, that's not the end of old Balaam. I think a lot of us forget that he shows up again and is just a small vignette, but it's very, very important. Mm. Uh, as we go on, there's a battle with the Midianites. Um, this is they were cleansing the land. They were uh, what God considered people that were now moving beyond redemption. So right. he's moving them out of the way. They were told not to take spoils or captives as they were doing yeah. this. And get Balaam becomes involved in this situation. So mm -hmm. we'll have you read. A, 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 this is what Balaam's part is played in here. This is in Numbers 31, 13 through 16. Moses and Eleazar, I always say this. <laughs> yeah, Eleazar. Yeah. The priest and all the chiefs of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. And Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds who had come from service in the war. Moses said to them, Have you let all the women live? Behold, these on Balaam's advice caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incidents of Peor. And so the plague came among the congregation of the Lord. Yeah, uh, God was so politically incorrect in those days, he was <laughs> yeah. actually making people pay for their sins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, what is very intriguing to me is Balaam's advice is actually when the Jewish 
folks refer to Balaam's error. Mm -hmm. This is more what they're talking about. And it's this, is that Balaam's advice to to the Israeli people, to the Hebrew people at the time was this. You guys are in so tight with God. We've seen it already as you're marching. You're in so tight, you can do no wrong. Mm. So go ahead, do whatever you want. Indulge in anything you want. God is going to let you get away with it because you're that tight. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's very wrong. And and what's surprising is when you look at, um, uh, I'm not going to um, uh, speak against, but people who um, follow an idea of, of a, um, eternal salvation, the idea of that you can't lose your salvation. Right, right. Uh, not to argue one way or the other, but one uh, twisted version of that um, or twisted outcome that even those who hold to it wouldn't agree with is that um, you can't lose your salvation so I can go out and do whatever I want. Or when I was first became a Christian, my friend said, well, don't worry about if you sin. You can just go and ask God's forgiveness. And, you know, so it was like a free pass. Yeah, know, it was free. Well, and that's like the, the, if that's the side door, eternal salvation would be the back door in which mm. you don't even, uh, you don't even have to worry because you're saved and, and they're, and you know, I'm not saying that they support that idea. I'm just saying that was one of the outcomes. It mm-hmm. sounds strikingly like Balaam's advice. So right. Just a How about the part that reads, These are hidden reefs at your love feast, as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead uprooted. Right, right. And this here, it ties in with Balaam's air, but we're actually getting into something a little bit different. Uh, and that's where we have to put our mind into back into uh, thinking like people in the Middle East. Uh, here we have a group of people. Uh, they're from the Jewish culture, but quite honestly, not taking uh, even the the Jewish version of God all that seriously. I think, and so um, they're all into turning the uh, the the new church into a a, a social. Um, uh, a social club type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. So, boy, we're glad that doesn't happen in oh, our no. day, right? Mm-hmm. Never, never. <laughs> but uh, where they're going with this, I love the term, and you mentioned it, you liked it uh, earlier too, a waterless cloud. Mm. And in the Middle East, that's a big deal because there are um, a, a desert-faring people like the Bedouins. Mm-hmm. And these folks will literally chase a promising-looking cloud for it to drop rain because it will produce grass. There's grass that'll come up momentarily in a desert uh, when it gets rained on. The seeds are adapted to it. Mm-hmm. And so the idea here, you can picture what's going on. Here's this promising looking cloud. Right. It's going along in this wind in, in there and they're chasing after it and all of a sudden it evaporates. Can you imagine the disappointment of those people when they spend all this energy chasing a cloud no and yeah. it just evaporates? Yeah, they don't produce rain. It's just wild. Yep. And the same thing is true of fruitless trees, the same thing. So Jude is warning about groups of individuals that look religious but lack the real results and they lack the the rain the fruit (laughs) the fruit yeah even the um the waves you know we have a number of things dealing with waves Mm -hmm. uh so the thing is if you break it down you look at how the new testament lays out this model if you will of of empowerment to people um Mm -hmm. god uh gives a gift of himself 
-hmm. And then once we have that, you have godly fruit, which comes from that. The godly fruit is is the product of godly capacities. Uh, so ultimately, these people who look like the real deal but never seem to produce anything. There's another great verse we didn't put in here that having the form of a religion but denying the power of it. I think we get to that. Okay, hopefully. I'd, I'm not sure if I get that one in or not, so mm. I'm going to mention it now. So, <laughs> But the idea then, if no fruit, then no capacity. No capacity, that's what religion, the, the, the quote Christian faith, the Christian churches will look like mm -hmm. if there is no spiritual gifts in the place. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, and judging from these verses, the reality of a religion operating without mm -hmm. spiritual gifting mm -hmm. goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And what strikes me is that where there's a lack of spiritual gifts, there's a lack of godly reverence. Yeah, the two, the two, two, the two go scary. hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, it goes hand in hand for no question. Uh, where where people and and I think the way it plays out in our time is that where you see shallow religion, I think I'm trying to think who who originally quoted it because or, or said it because it's quoted many times, is that the, they say I fear the church in our day is. Um, is a mile wide and two inches deep, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. And shallow always turns out bad. If you older New Testament, shallow always turns out bad. So. Scripture points out that religion can certainly be without gifts. So, what happens in a church that denies or ignores spiritual gifts, according to the Bible? Yeah. Okay. Because we don't want to come up with our own. Right. We're trying to say, well, this is what the Scripture says about it. Right. And I really came up with, with two categories as we were looking at. The first one is the category of what's missing. And, um, and the way to maybe approach that one is, is if we consider last week, uh, the, the, the passage we looked at was first chapter, uh, first Corinthians chapter 12. Mm. Um, do you recall any of the, without going, we're not going to read the whole thing, any mm. of the capacities mentioned in there? Well, a variety of gifts from the same spirit, and you had um, those, the the big gifts: teaching, preaching, right. healing, helping, hospitality, um, gift of administrating yeah, in a godly yeah, way. In a godly way, so. It, it, this is just flipping the coin over, if you will. But mm. and of course, those are just a sample of, of right. all the gifts. Right. Uh, but imagine then those things being absent. If if the, these spiritual gifts don't exist, you can have people who are naturally gifted at teaching. Mm -hmm. So they'd have a capacity to teach, but not really to convey the deeper biblical truths. Um, you know, they, they would just be teaching from their own effort. Right. In the same thing, they're out there. You have gifted public speakers mm -hmm. who uh, and normally you can tell they're gifted in it, whether they're in a pulpit or not, because they will attract you to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they become yes. attractive. Yes. Uh, but as you listen, you start finding out I'm really not hearing too much of anything biblical in there, at least nothing deeply b biblical. Mm -hmm. So that's what it would look like there. And there are people who are great business people out there. But what happens if you have wonderful, good intention business people, but they have no spiritual rooting? You'd end up with a church running on a business model instead of a biblical one. Yeah, so. and, and you know, it's no coincidence that if you look at the American church, especially in modern times, 
where um, we're built on business. People who have a liking for God, what do they do? They turn around and build the church on a business model. Many, many mm-hmm. churches are built on a, on a business model. And what does scripture say in that regard? <laughs> uh, well, you know, as, as we look at it, uh, as far as w- with all of the gifts, if if we stick with the word they're missing, hmm. if we look at if something's missing, like uh, if the atmosphere was missing in this room, <laughs> not only would we not be talking, but we'd be in a vacuum. Uh, and, yeah. and we know that nature doesn't like vacuum, mm-hmm. uh, vacuum, so it fills them up. Well, supernature or or the divine, the spiritual is the same way. So something else is going to come in and fill the void. Right, right. We now move from missing to what will fill the void. Hmm. And um, remember the commercials? Uh, I haven't seen them for a while. They were talking about the food deserts. Yes. Uh, or, and and they yeah. were getting at... Uh, lower income places, uh, I think, really where they had all of these little shops that sold nothing but junk food. Right. And right. and no. They had no good no, no fruits and vegetables food. and yeah. But we all know that uh, people will acquire a taste for whatever, hmm. and quite frankly, it doesn't take long before things like sugar and starch and salt and those things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> take over. And you don't even want good food. You right. want nice tasting junky food now mm-hmm. i'm going to say something it's going to get us a lot of trouble in the midwest are you ready mm-hmm. we may get all kinds of hate mail on this <laughs> oh, no. one of the things that people in the midwest have grown up on are white castle hamburgers <laughs> right yeah. we didn't grow up with those we're, mm-hmm. we're both from the east we grew up with our own things mm-hmm. so we came out and everyone said oh you've got to have one of these hamburgers <laughs> and we were all pumped okay they yeah. must be amazing yeah. and we had them we said you eat this <laughs> you, know, you eat these things people are just like totally insulted what do you I mean know, <clears throat> but give me give me yeah, that <laughs> yeah here, here we go you can have it but I, it, it makes sense to me, because when we grow up with something, we acquire a taste for something. Sure. It's the best thing in the world. Right. So when you don't have the real thing, in in the case of like with food, you don't have the healthy things and, and you acquire a taste for the junk food, mm-hmm. then the fake actually becomes more comfortable. And and this is leading into the, ch- the verse you wanted to read this passage, mm-hmm. is Timothy is exhorting uh, or Paul is exhorting Timothy right. on something, and it really has to do with how we acquire taste. Hmm. So think White Castle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, we're in such trouble oh, we when you read this. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Um, yeah, so, you know, the tickling ears is the same as mm-hmm. that empty stomach or, or that palate that's looking for that thing. And the funny thing, it's not just, you know, uh, so we don't want to pick too hard on White Castle, but I mean, we all have our things and we mm. know they're not good for us, but we've acquired a taste in man, even as we know it's hardening the arteries and it's putting fat on our middles and all of this stuff, even mm-hmm. though it's, you know, literally killing us will still prefer it to the healthy thing because yeah. we have developed that bad ap- appetite. And that's one of the warnings that's uh, that's going out here. But 
going back to the fact, if there's a vacuum, it's filling the void. It's filling the, the food desert, if you will, in a spiritual sense. Right. What else does scripture mention? Well, uh, in the whole idea of filling this void, uh, the Apostle Paul writes a very sad letter to the to the church in Galatia. And why it's sad is this, is Paul must have been pumped at one time. This church was doing so well, man. They were off to right. a great start. And all of a sudden, and I don't think he even knows at the time of writing the letter, he says, what happened to you guys? Somebody's tripped you up. You're starting to really uh, get off the rails here. Mm -hmm. um, you, you've acquired this t taste for spiritual junk food mm -hmm. going on. And so he makes two lists and he calls them uh, fruits of the spirit and, and walking in the flesh. But if you look at in context of what we're saying, he says, here's two lists. Here's the healthy food and here's the junk food. Right. Uh, so in that sense, uh, I thought I'd have you read that list. Right, it goes like this. Galatians five nineteen through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, mm -hmm. enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And to a large part, we might pass over this, especially if we get to be um, more church-going people because it's like, when's the last time you were to a good orgy? <laughs> Don't say it on the phone. <laughs> yeah, say maybe never. Uh, so, so we might write off some of these things, mm -hmm. but I find this list fascinating because everything in it has some version that we live with ourselves. For yeah. instance, even on the, the, the things of sensuality, the things that people naturally, all of us, will take to satisfy the natural empty self. Uh, pleasing the senses is one, and, and we still do it. How many Christians comfort eat mm. um, or eat for entertainment? That's one of the big things churches always, always Not have. have, have potlucks. Big giant potlucks. Well, and Christians uh, tend to go out on Sundays and eat, and the fellowship and everything's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, we're talking confessing. I myself, I love to have a good bag of chips or something if I'm watching a show I like. You know, yes, yes I do. <laughs> and I've I've got pounds to prove it. If you don't, I'll send you my weight. Uh, no, I won't. Uh, but the fact is, I'm using my. The, my senses, in, in that case, the taste and all of that, right. as a way to fill the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for satisfaction. So that's one way we do it. Right, right. And, of course, these are only a select group of, uh, you know, like, that take idolatry and sorcery seriously in our time. But um, everyone make something into their own religion. Right. I mean, everybody doesn't have to, uh, you know, I remember when Dungeons and Dragons came out, there was right. such a, a big hub blue about that, right. which I am actually kind of regretful. I never quite learned how that all worked together. It was like a game and imagination at the same time. Hmm. But the truth is, everybody does have a religion. By that, we mean they're, they're, we're all wired for some North Star above. Everything else will follow that. Now, for some mm. people, it's going to be material success yeah. is that they gauge everything by how much money they make and what that money can buy. Mm -hmm. Other people are all about humanism. It can even be in the church is that how do you judge a good church? What's what they're doing in social act 
uh, social causes, which right. can be good and can also be very bad. Yeah. Uh, if it's the main thing, then you would entirely miss the point. Mm -hmm. uh, even atheism is a type of religion. It's something uh, your your north star is. You don't believe there's anything divine out there, and and so you look for something else. Right. So everybody does have some a form of religion, and that's really what is getting at with idolatry. You may not be a sorcerer, but um, mm -hmm. uh, you have your idols. Yeah. And besides indulging in mm -hmm. the senses and making your own religion, there are the reactions of people, like the rage and jealousy and rivalries and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and the nation's proving that true uh, even yeah. now as we become more and more secular. And uh, and people be, maybe were waiting for us to get into this. Everybody's talking mm. about Roe versus Wade. You know, mm. that thing's uh, going on. And uh, I really sat back um, and, and was looking at the reactions, like you're, you're mm. talking about. I realized, and I think most people do, that it's a complicated issue. Uh, there are legitimate points on whatever side you take. Now, of course, from a Christian standpoint, uh, you know, we, we do um, favor the innocent and, and those who can't take care of themselves. But even at that, an empathy and a sympathy and a care for those who are deciding uh, right. uh, on what to do. Mm. But when you look at the reactions out there, uh, at least those that are publicized are uh, not people talking to each other, but past each other yeah. yeah the the language whether you're left or right is simply inflammatory mm -hmm. down to the terms that are used yeah. so the whole thing is degenerated into exactly what you read in that passage there's yeah. it's down to dissension and division um, that's what we naturally do when we fill the void where the gifts should be. Exactly. Even it's in like, a church. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. It seems like reasonable voices are just simply drowned out by the roar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty tough to, uh, to uh, because I think uh, all the things that you read in that list are loud. Mm -hmm. When somebody's in a state of rage, they're yeah. loud. Yes. When you're causing division, you're loud. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're speaking logically or reasonably, you tend to be quiet. And so hmm. you're right. We're uh, now. I shouldn't say we. That sounds presumptuous. But for that contingent, especially of the biblical church, that is staying true to what uh, they have been taught by Scripture, they tend to be quiet, and and uh, you have to strain to hear hear the, the the reason and wisdom. So you're saying what keeps the biblical church unstained by the world is spiritual gifts. Yeah, spiritual gifts is going to be now, of course, we said, how how does the biblical church stay unstained? Because of God. Well, yeah, but mm -hmm. God is the gift. And then God, who is the gift, generates the gifts. So uh, in, yeah. in that regard, if you're talking spiritual gifts as capacities given freely by the God who is inside you, mm -hmm. then yes, we're saying that the only way the church can remain to be the real church is by spiritual gifts. The only way. Only way. Speaking of the real church, we have a real song of worship um, to highlight before we go. Yes, we do. Released in 1997 by Hillsong Publishing. 
and uh, written by Russell Frager. Uh, we're highlighting the Praise Team's version of the song. And, and like we say, you don't hear this song for as wonderful it is, as it is. You don't hear this song very much. Mm. Uh, Holy Spirit, rain down. Mm. And may the Holy Spirit rain down his gifts on you. Until next week, be blessed.
Org. You can also catch our live stream on Canaan Community's Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.